All right, you are now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players broadcast. We have an epic sewed for you people. The man child, Shea Cotton, is in the house. We're going to talk about his journey, his documentary, and what's going to happen in the future with him and his whole empire. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick the intro music. Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the max like Ludi us. I do have something to say. So you got to give it up. Give it up. What up, broadcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Episode 87. Yeah, man. And we have a surprise for you. We have the man child himself, Shea Cotton on the couch. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. The oh, man child is on our couch, Drew. This is like, so sick. He's on the pod. <laughs> it's crazy how the world goes full circle sometimes, dude. Yeah, man. Uh, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But first and foremost, episode 87, Drew, what do you got for me? All right. So 87, let's start with the 1987 draft. Okay. Number one overall pick. 87. We know him as the Admiral. Oh, shit. David Robinson. Mm-hmm. Number one overall draft pick, 1987. Do you think he's ever eaten a carb in his life? That's my question. You know, I feel like the man could eat whatever he wants. <laughs> he's just one of those guys that just got lucky. You know what I'm saying? Okay. There's, there's, there's quite a few that I've seen around, but, you know, I'm sure he works out. I'm sure he eats right, but he was just yoked at, he, all, times. at all times. I think right now, even still, he probably, he's probably still fit as fuck. He could probably play 15 minutes a game in the <laughs> NBA, most likely. <laughs> yeah, he might do better than Boban. A lefty like... The man on our couch, That's too, right. just to That's let right. you know. Okay. So in that draft, Scotty Pippen with fifth. No tipping, Scotty Pippen. We all know about him. Uh-huh. And Reggie Miller went eleventh. So okay. that was that was a pretty stacked draft. There were some other big names in there, but that's that that was those the top three that, that and reached. Indiana was not happy to get Reggie Miller. No, they were they, not. They were supposed to get what's Steve the Steve Alford. Yeah. They wanted Alford out of Indiana. Right. They, they wanted yeah, they want they want the, the home. They grown. did not want Reggie. No, they didn't, but they I'm I bet they all were quite happy with that after right. the end of his yeah. career. How did you Alford's know? career go? <laughs> Alford Alford didn't nada. Okay. So and are those just, the three you got? Those are the three for the for the draft. Okay, that's good. Then we dip into players born in 1987. This could be this good. one's pretty lean, actually. Really, we've had some good years. This one's pretty lean. I'll start at the top. Mike Conley, mm. best player that I'm going to mention. I think out of all this, really, yeah. Uh, Danny Green, mm. except for I mean, we've uh, Joe Ingles. The Australian Bo, Chris Kringle. What do we call the Australian, Australian Chris, Chris Kringle? Kringle Joe Ingles. So that's obviously he's cream of the crop. Okay. Maurice Spates, uh, Ty Lawson, and Hashim Thabit. I brought oh, him up just God, because he no. was that. That was a really bad draft pick. Bust. Memphis Grizzlies. You know what? This is what I'm going to say. Okay. I don't think they should be any of them. I mean, we have Shea Cotton on the couch. I oh. think no matter what, yeah, it's Shea Cotton's episode. That is a done deal. Is that cool with you, Shea? That's fine. Well, if you flipped that 87 to 78, the year I was born. Then, then oh, I mean, it's this. perfect. We're in it. You just aged yourself, but that's okay. <laughs> no, that's oh, cool. You look that's great cool. for 53. I was gonna push. <laughs> I was gonna push for Reggie Miller, but I, since you're here, I'll make an exception. Okay, I'll make so, an exception. All right. So it's the Shea Cotton epi- episode. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Uh, Shea. Do you feel honored? I do. Because <laughs> we've never actually had somebody on our couch well, whose episode it was. What, Jelani? Jelani. Oh, who's we, your boy? Yes, we did, we did do Jelani McCoy. We did Jelani, yeah. Uh, you guys played together back in the day, or yes, that was just did. your homie? That was high school. We played together. SoCal All-Stars. So nice. speaking of high school, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get nostalgic real quick because I got to let these people know that 
that like before Twitter, before Instagram, before social media, before LeBron, before Kobe, it was Shea Cotton. You know, we kind of grew up in the same era era. It was you were a myth, bro. You were like uh, in an like we didn't know who you were. Right. We just heard about you. We heard the rumors were you were dunking in fourth grade. The rumors were you were going to bypass your junior and senior year and just go straight to the fucking pros. Um, I remember the only time ever you playing at our high school, St. John, when you were on St. John Bosco, what year was that? Was that your? That was uh, 96, 97. So that was your what year? Junior year. Junior year. Right. It was the only time ever in my high school history that it was sold out. Standing room only. <laughs> I swear to God. The only information that we got as basketball fans was through Slam Magazine, basically, that right. we got to hear about Shay or reading in the papers. Paper, right. Yeah. I was say the paper. Because people actually read papers back well, then. Well, that's, right. that's how you had to get their stats. Right. That, that's what you had to go to. And Yeah. And it was... You know, when we heard, like me and my friends who loved basketball, when we heard you were actually playing against our high school, like I couldn't wait to get there. I watched you at the door, like I could only stand at the door. And I told you this today at dinner. You fucking dunked on our center, 6'9, Blake Jacobson, so hard, <laughs> so hard. I could not believe it, dude. And the fact that you're sitting on my couch right now, because, dude, you were like a, you were like a god to us. Like we looked up to you. Everything that they said was true. Um, and your you journey got, is just Shay's team won that game. I'm guessing definitely yeah, won, yeah, that yeah, game. won that definitely game. Definitely won that game. <laughs> um, but I kind of just want to talk about your journey first, man. Like what it was like being 14 and you know, that's when people started looking at you, right? Yeah. How young was it? Well, before that, actually, I mean, it started pre high school, I'd say probably 12. Um, you know, my AAU team. Was coached by Pat Barrett. Uh, our, our team was formerly known PTI Performance Training Institute, that lateraled in the Southern California All Stars, which is what he's been running with now for some years now. But I mean, I was a national uh, figure probably by 12 years old. 12. ESPN, Scholastic Sports America at that time was the biggest thing, and Sunkiss Kids. You know, before this is pre-social media, before all of that. So, you know, on a national level, I mean, I'm walking into gyms everywhere I play was pretty much packed out. So right. that was to no, watch a 12 year old play right, basketball. It was no big deal in high school. How big it? were you at 12 though? Five nine. So by the time I was 13, I believe I was six one and I was dunking already. So so know. what what was was I right about the rumor? Like how young were you when you finally when you dunked your first time? I was uh, sixth seventh grade. So yeah, okay, 12, That's like, yeah, years 12. Old. Damn, right. damn. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I was touching net. I was getting the little fingers <laughs> and on Drew's some backboards. Drew's a big guy. You guys are the same height, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm 6'4". Yeah. So you're 6'4"? Six, six, about 6'5". Six, okay, six, so yeah, he's, got, he's got me by a little bit. Um, I mean, that's just wild, though, dude. So you're going into high school. The world's talking about you. What was it like to have all that attention? I mean, you come from a really good family, like uh, a very humble household. You know, your pops was worked. Your mom was present. Um, what was it like to like your brother was really good too. Your brother yeah. James ended up playing in the NBA for the for the uh, Sonics, right? Right, and the Bulls, right, yep. and the Bulls. Yep. And you guys worked out like I heard your workouts were insane. Yeah, yeah. What we was used that to call like? It the Warrior workout. Uh, it was every day after practice with our schools. You know, we'd come home, eat, get a little rest. You know, go right back to the gym for about an hour and a half, two hours. We do like strength shoes we had we use and we do jump rope with the strength shoes that help you you know stay people might toes. not know what the strength shoes are though yeah it helped a lot of a lot of hops the quick quick twitch you know the yeah. fast twitch and um really developed the calf muscles it was it was tough i mean jumping rope with them on it was mm. even more tough 
And, you know, we do a lot of shooting drills, ball handling. We do swimming. We go upstairs and do weights. Well, you know, we grew up in the L.A. Harbor area. So San Pedro YMCA is where we used to train uh, at night late before we moved to Long Beach. So for me, it was just I wanted to have an edge. You know, I wanted to just be special. I didn't want to just play the game. I wanted to be remembered forever after I was done. I said a lot of people score points, but in my, my head, it was always how you score those points what separates players. Wow. And were you a shooter? Did you enjoy shooting? I was a scorer. I right? did. I did. I started as a guard. So mm-hmm. I was a point initially. So I loved the pass growing up. You know, I know you're a Clipper guy. But oh, you know, here we Magic go. Era, <laughs> Showtime, that, Magic Era. Showtime. I used to love watching Magic play because oh, yeah. he played with the charisma and his passing ability was unreal. So I used to love the pass more than I scored. And people didn't know that. So as I graduated the ranks and got better in progress, I always could score the ball. But I used to love to set my teammates up, make a nice low look. They finished the play, and I'm I'm so gassed off that. It was like scoring was easy, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So the little things I used to really get excited about, taking a charge, you know, the best player on the team sacrificing his body. That's the kind of thing that I look for today, and you don't see a lot of it. When did you – when did the man-child come into play? Because you were always so much bigger and stronger. Like, you, you were huge, right, at 13, 14, much bigger than your competition. When did the man-child come into play? I think more in uh, early in high school, mm-hmm. um, you know, I came onto the scene pretty quickly and and uh, progressed pretty fast. I think a lot of the writers, the journalists, started to give me that name as well as uh, some of the analysts. Um, Were you okay with that? Yeah, I mean it. It made sense. You mm-hmm. know, I, I get why why they started giving me that title, and you know, I felt like I, I was I was there to do a job. You know, it wasn't like the rest of the guys on the team. Mm-hmm. People were coming to watch me play. I had to put on a show. I knew that there was pressure. I was aware of, you know, the stakes that were at hand. There was handlers, parasites. There was agents. You know, there was. They were present. They were around. Stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. oh I'm sure, man. You know, at 13, uh, you had college yeah. coaches checking you out. Yeah, agents getting, were there. I was getting mail. I was getting a lot of things mm-hmm. that no, people normally wouldn't get at that age. So there was a mystique around me. Like you said, there was more of a myth before social media. If you didn't see me play. Or you could hold on to a stories that you heard from other people. And I think that's what drove it to be even bigger because you couldn't just YouTube something right. and instantly see it right. that night. Right. You had to wait. And if you're lucky enough, you could get in to see a game because most of the games were sold out. So if you got there too late, you don't even get in. Right. And and also the word of mouth is what made it made it bigger, especially Absolutely. in L.A., growing up in L.A. Correct. Um, you know. I tell people this all the time, even since the time I met Drew, anybody that I speak with, like I watched Kobe play in high school. I watched LeBron play in high school. I saw Jermaine O'Neal play in high school. And I always say you were the best basketball player I had ever seen. Um, and that's why it's crazy that you're on our couch right now talking about this. But again, like in the time that you were playing, this isn't a time in LA where we had some of the best players around. Yeah. You know, name a couple of them, dude. Yeah. A lot of talent. I mean, you know, Baron Davis, the likes of Paul Pierce, you know, um, Tyson Chandler was younger. Uh, some other guys, uh, Chris Burgess at that time. Who Chris started Burgess. At Duke, finished at Utah. Kenny Bruner, my boy. Kenny Bruner, correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Thomas, who wound up playing football in college at UNLV. You know, there were several other guys. Jason Hart, who went to Syracuse, uh, was an assistant coach at USC right now, one of the top assistants there. I mean, there I could go on and on and on about different names, you know, on a national level, Kevin Garnett, obviously. 
Uh, Jelani McCoy is one of my teammates that you mentioned. Played at UCLA, played with the Seattle Sonics, and I believe he played with the Lakers briefly. And won other. a chip with the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. He's very happy about he that. He popped too. in at the right time. He did. Absolutely. <laughs> he did. Timing is everything. He told a story about Garden. <laughs> what did he compare Shaq to? Because he had to be Shaq's dummy D for a while. He's like, yo, think about a, of an athletic refrigerator. Yeah. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what he called him. I'm like, yo, that's perfect. Right. That is so perfect, right? <laughs> Great analogy. Right? Um, Question though, like these guys you were playing against, like Paul Pierce and and BD, like the, those guys were legit too. Like how good were they? Solid. I mean, mm-hmm. they, these guys, you know, they were the best at, at their spot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what was your spot? What did, what 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 was your position exactly? Small forward. Small forward. Yeah. Even though you were probably the biggest guy on the court, or no? Nah, not not always. I mean, they had centers and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. Jelani was six nine at that True. time. Right. So, you know, I was about six four. Mm-hmm. But you know, I had a forty-one inch vertical leap, so makes, so up, what I, makes yeah, up for height yeah, a little bit. Height didn't really forty-one matter. inch vert. I, I read that you were forty. You were six four, two fifteen, forty-two inch vert at fifteen. Whew. That sounds about right. That's what I read. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. That's I mean, dude, and think about that. That's that, insane, right? Put that put that together. It must be yeah. so much fun to play basketball when you can do stuff <laughs> absolutely like that, man. Absolutely. I tell you that much. I mean, did you look at the competition every like? Was there anybody that ever scared you? Were you ever or not scared you, but you were well, like. Uh, the shirt is form fitting, you know. I got the Isaiah fearless. Here. Yes, you do. You read it. Forty one ten. I took the fear out of it early. I think I started in baseball, and then I was playing up because my brother was two and a half years older. So I would always get the one on one matchup with him until that got out of hand. We had to start just training together, not playing against each other because it would get too physical, yeah, and you guys would right? start going to blows and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we had to cut that. But playing against his peers, it it kept me in a in a hunger mode where. I had to have a level of toughness physically and mentally like nobody else. So, because I was always younger. And now I'm playing up against three years, four years older guys. Mm-hmm. M- maturation, mm-hmm. physical strength, I mean, you can't really compete with that. So, I had to find ways to be successful. So, what I've learned is I became more of a student of the game. I didn't just play it. And I would study certain guys. And Who take would you study? Moves. Ron Harper, mm-hmm. the likes of obviously mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. I watched guys like you. You know, mentioned Ron Harper. I want to back up really quick though, because you had told me earlier. Because we're and we're going to get into Clippers Lakers later, but because we're <laughs> this. Let me tell you guys something. This motherfucking Shea Cotton walked into my house with Lakers shorts on. Yes, bro. he did. And the, before he got through my door, I said. Right. I said you're gonna wear those colors in my house, knowing who my co-host is too. Oh yeah, like you're not you're gonna do. <laughs> oh that? yeah, I respect it. That's what's up, but, man. But you also said that you went to a lot of Clipper games. That's Obviously, right. you're, right. you're because you're, it was a cheap ass ticket. Yeah, shut the fuck up, dude. and you're right. It was. But all the players that you bring up, that's who I grew up on. I right. grew up on Ron Harper and Ken Norman, Danny Manning, and. Uh, who else? You met Gary Grant, Gary like Grant, all yep. that's Lloyd that's Park. why. Yep. So, what did you like about Ron Harper? Because Ron Harper is another underrated guy yeah, that Gary. was phenomenal. His game was unreal. I mean, his arsenal of moves. Jordan said when Harper was in his prime, he was the hardest guy for him to guard. Right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he had arsenal moves. He was silky smooth. He could shoot it, and he played with a toughness, but. He was unassuming. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd kill you with 30 quietly. Mm-hmm. You know, but when he had his knee surgery, it changed his game. And right. I hate, I hated to see that because I appreciated what he brought to the table. You know, and father time and, you know, injuries, we can't, we can't help. But nobody bring, like, it's just great that you bring up Ron Harper, Michael Jordan, these guys that you looked up to. Right. To like when you were at your prime, when do you think your prime was, by the way? Prime? Well, that's a great question. Um, I felt like there was a derailment. And then, you know, I was able to get back on track. But when you're so hot and then you kind of go cold in a sense, it's hard to reheat. 
it never tastes the same when that food is mm. reheated. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was still dropping 30 a game, but it just didn't look the same. So to answer your question in my prime, you know, I have to say my high school years. Right. You know, because the derailment kind of, it hurt that that post-high school experience from college to the professional. Because you had ranks. so much bullshit to deal with. Yeah, too, and it, it became mental. <clears throat> the game's like 85% mental. People don't understand. It's not mm -hmm. about the skill you possess. It's the mental toughness that you that you embody and, and what can you endure when adversity is faced, you know, that's when you know what you got. When you when everything's going good, it's easy to do things right. Mm -hmm. When it when it's falling out, you know, and they slip the rug, then what do you have? So I would say high school, that's why I'm really looking forward to coming back home to modern day for our screening on September fifteenth. Oh, we're and we're gonna can we talk about that Absolutely. really quick? Uh so I've seen the documentary, Man Child, A Dream Deferred. I've been able, blessed enough to see see it twice. And I, it's amazing. Thank like you. it's it, no, it is. I mean, the girl I took to the last one, if you remember, was crying. Yep. She stood up and cried. Yep. Shout out to Ivana, my girl, <laughs> beautiful girl. That's right. Um, I love, I, it, and it tells. We don't want to give too much because we want people to come out and watch it, and we'll, you know, we'll talk more about that later. But the the documentary is your whole life. Like your father filmed every game you ever played, pretty much, yep. right? Yep. And we have all this footage, and we're we're lucky enough to have this footage because a lot of people. You know, we tell stories about these players that, you know, way back in the day, we didn't get to really, it's all hearsay. With you, we actually get to see it and we get right. to see how you grow and see actually how good you were. But, you know, tell us about the process about the documentary because it's amazing and it's been a long time coming. Well, the process of it, I think it started maybe about 10 years back, uh, maybe even a little before that. And um, the director at the time, uh, Eric Patah Hobart, and our, our film crew, our true group, you know, he kind of brought something to my attention. I was finishing up playing professionally. And at the time, I wasn't really feeling it. You know, the idea of doing a documentary on my life, like a biopic. Why? Because I was still playing and I wasn't really in that space. You, you didn't think you were done yet? I was still thinking, you know, well, how much money can I make before I retire? And what country am I going to be playing in next? Because mm -hmm. the NBA thing, was it was clear I wasn't going to make it back home. Mm -hmm. So I was just trying to maximize that situation. And I told him, I said, talk to me in like two years right and then maybe i'll you know maybe i'll be ready and uh you know we circled back i think a few years after and the timing was great you know we sat down we kind of storyboarded the idea of how we'll kind of unravel and lay out I brought through a bunch of tapes you know uh, my father had filmed we sat down and went through a lot of that stuff and um it, it was like an interesting journey because at that point I started reliving a lot of the adolescence and a lot of those experiences that I've had. And I started saying to myself, man, this could be really powerful because I was tapping into things that the average person wasn't aware of because all people really knew about me was what the media portrayed or what they got a chance to see in person. You know, we didn't have a lot of these outlets today where you get a lot of the backstory behind the scene. So we went from that experience into interviewing people, getting releases and stuff like that, traveling halfway across the country and back. I mean, we did the ACC tournament. You know, we did the NBA pre-draft, various different places. We did Chicago. Uh, we got Scoop Jackson, who's the ESPN yeah. analyst. Uh, Former slam, though. Exactly. He covered you back exactly. in the scoop. Scoop was who we looked to to tell us these stories. Absolutely. He's at ESPN? Yep. Yeah. And, he, and he's in the film, too. And, he, you know, he covered That's me. Right. So he's talking about that experience. Mm -hmm. and. You know, guys like Latell Vaughn out of Philadelphia, who's a who's a big name there, who followed Kobe, who was a guy that was kind of like in his corner, like 
a mentor in a way. He was close to his dad, so he actually saw me play against Kobe in NBA Players Camp, and I think it was ninety five. Well, 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 well. We're Princeton, gonna, New Jersey. Yeah, we're gonna have to. We're gonna talk about this because yeah. uh, this is something. <laughs> this is something that I didn't know about, and I don't know how much you want to tell us, bro. But I need to hear this. I heard that there is a Kobe Shea Cotton one on one tape somewhere that has supposedly disappeared. It's disintegrated. Nobody, nobody can find it. But you played Kobe. How old were you? I was uh, 16, I believe. And he was? He was a, about to be a senior. About to graduate. be a senior. Yeah. And how did this come about? How did this one-on-one, who set this up? <laughs> did you call him out like, yo, Kobe, let's play one-on-one? Well, our team played against him uh, in the NBA Players Camp in Princeton, New Jersey at that time. And uh, we were guarding each other. Mm-hmm. So it was a one-on-one matchup. And uh, it, was a, it was a fierce matchup. I think him and Metal World Peace were probably my two toughest challenges defensively one just oh. as as a whole really yeah mm-hmm. guarding you know just constant coming mm-hmm. not letting up you know just mm-hmm. the tenacity across the board out of all the guys i played mm-hmm. against and on that day i was better you know <laughs> right. and we won and my team won and i think kobe knows that you know and it is fine you know if he never says anything you know he, he takes it to his grave you know when we see each other the, the the reception is there right that's he knows the who you confirmation. are right yeah and he obviously he went on and had the career he had and you know uh my my career has been an enigma and and i think what's going on today is more special because what god is doing through me is something that i didn't see then you know so it's bigger than basketball that was beautiful by the way appreciate it. um i went to your first screening of man child with ron artest and my boy jeff clark and it was a wild night to say the least. Like I didn't I wasn't expecting to be going to your premiere with Ron Artest. And this dude spoke so highly of you and said the same thing that you're saying to him, saying about him. Ron Artest was like, Shea Cotton is the best player that I ever played with. You know, and he was naming and Ron's from fucking Queensbridge, right, dude. Right. He grew up with Lamar and Elton yeah. Brand and like all those guys. Um and he he spoke extremely highly about you. And then he was talking about how you guys were on the same team. Like you had this AAU squad that was I, I who it was Lamar Elton Meta Meta yeah, Eric Barkley. Yeah, Willis Who's Church. beating that team, bro? Yeah. yeah, that was a Riverside Church team out of New York City. How did you assembled. get into that when you're in Cali though? Like how I are you I dropped them off. We played in uh Bull Williams down in Virginia. I was playing with the ARC team out of LA, which is Rich Goldberg is uh his foundation, his uh organization. And we were the only California team to ever win that tournament. I don't think it's been done since. And what was the squad, though? Say it again. The team I played yeah. with. Uh, I think <clears> I played <throat> with uh, Kevin Augustine, this guy Eddie Miller, uh, the Collins, the Collins twins. Oh, Jared and Jason. Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. And uh, mm-hmm. some other guys, you know, uh, uh, a host of other players. But we uh, we played against Riverside Church at Hampton University down in uh, in Hampton, Virginia. And I had like 38 on them. We won the tournament, and they had and the squad. Though. Absolutely, they had they, they had handpicked New York City's finest, the so, finest. Yeah, yep. I got a call. And you from, cut their ass up. Absolutely, got a call from the coach about a week later. Uh, we were going to Kansas City. We'd love to have you. Are you interested? I said absolutely. Send a ticket, and then me and Meta and everybody we reconnected. And you know, we we had we would see each other and reconvene in the off in the summer, spring and summer. You know, at that time, it was just Nike and Adidas camp. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. all this stuff going on today with all these teams and these different outlets. If you weren't good enough, you had to wait till next season. 
So all the best would meet up in the summer at Nike camp or Adidas. So we all were Nike guys. So we'd see each other in the summer in Indianapolis or in Chicago and have great stories and, and battle all over again. Mm-hmm. We had a California team with all the best California guys and we play against all the other regions and it was nothing like that. You know, I missed that bond today, if anything. That, that sounds like a really, I, you know, we were talking about it. We were talking about it with LeBron being in the layup line with his son last week, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and every, the media like jumped on it and had a lot of bullshit to say about LeBron, why he shouldn't be doing it. And a point that I brought up in our pod last week was that I think LeBron is a kid too. Like we saw LeBron loves basketball, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that LeBron as many championships as he's won and all these accolades he has, I think his high school years were his favorite years and his best years and his most memorable years. And I think that that kind of resonated with him doing the layup line with his son and like kind of letting him know like this is the best time right. you're ever going to have. And right. these memories that you have with these amazing players, like you'll never forget, right? Right. right. Th- yeah. These are stories that you can talk about forever. Um, but something you mentioned, like you said you were a Nike guy. There's Nike and Adidas, right? And it's been well documented, bro. Right. Like you, you were the first guy that was getting shoes. You wore a new pair of shoes every single game. I got them on my feet. You got <laughs> Nike. Holla at my boy. Yeah, he he shouldn't be spending any money on no kicks, bro. But it was said like you were the flyest dude playing. You you had all the new shoes. When I mean, was that what was the gray area in this? Was was this allowed? Was it? Well, I mean, there was no compensation financially. So I think mm-hmm. the gear, you could, it was unlimited pretty much. And because I remember, I brought this up with Drew too, is like, I remember Capono, like Jason Capono was an Adidas guy, right? right or Reebok. Right. What was it? I think it was Adidas. Adidas. Right. Like, and he was, he was doing shit for them, but he wasn't getting paid, right? right. So it was all good, but you right. had all the flyest kicks. Absolutely. Stuff that hadn't been released yet. Well, you know, I was a poster child at that time. You're talking about a guy that they looked at would be a guy that would supersede Jordan's career. You know, mm-hmm. a guy that would come in and follow, follow in his suit and his shoes and, and basically carry the league into that next generation with that Nike sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And obviously things went a different direction. But at that time, you couldn't tell nobody different. I mean, and I feel like my trajectory was right on line. So. Was, it, was it a real thing that you were thinking about going from high school to the pros? Was this something that you talked about with your family? Did you think you could actually do it? Were you playing against talent that you're like, okay, you were playing against NBA talent. We were just talking to one of our friends when you were 15. You were playing with these grown-ass men. Like, did you think you were good enough to go to the league? I knew I was good enough. It just wasn't as prevalent as it is today. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I love – What do you mean by that, though? Because You know, the the dynamic today, I think, is so not only social media-driven, it's it's following-driven, too. You know, what what's your influence? How many followers do you have? Mm-hmm. It, it's not so much – how tough you are, do you have what it takes? Mm-hmm. Because nobody knows what these kids are going to do when they really get tested. You know, the high school game today is very finesse. It's a lot more passive, aggressive. You know, when we were growing up, it was like in your face, and if you're not nice, I'm going to, you know, knock you down and spit on you and keep going. <laughs> I'm not trying to let you help you up. It's you a know? different breed. Yeah, I, I want to embarrass you. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're playing to take my scholarship. you plan to take my contract. You know, it, it was just a different mentality. And if I'm not good enough, I got to wait till next year so – I'm giving everything when mm-hmm. I get in the game. You know, I'm not in it for the look. I'm in it for the production, the result. So for me, it was more like at that time, I knew that I was carrying pretty much the city of L.A. on my back. 
because of the writers were East Coast bias. The LA guys weren't getting as much credit. Still why do you think why? It still happens now. Yeah. All the East Coast bias still yeah. happens all the time. Why? Yeah. I don't get it. You know, a lot of a lot of the networks are back there, and you know they, you know, you hear New York's the mecca of basketball, and they have a lot of great players. I think they have some of the best point guards that you've ever seen. You know the way they handle the ball and how calm they are under pressure. But when you talk about wing guard fours, and they're coming out of California, a lot of these players, mm-hmm. and we're skilled. We're very versatile. You know, we make it look easy. So they, they look at it like all oh, these California guys, palm trees in the sunshine. They're soft. They just want to run up and down and shoot jump shots. And that's not true. So my style was more of a rugged style because I played with a chip already, you know, because I wanted to be somebody different from everybody else. So I could mix it up and I could play the finesse game. Could handle, shoot, pass. Take make the my charge. teammates absolutely mm-hmm. make my teammates better. I'll clean the ball off the rim if I need to. Mm-hmm. Come weak side and just take it out right out the air. You think you got an open layup? No, nah, I'm. A, I'll get that. I got, <laughs> don't worry, I got it covered, boys. You know, it, it was that kind of thing. How do you change the game without having the ball in your hand? And I would test and challenge myself because I wanted to raise the level of my teammates. But that's not what they would talk about. The media would talk about. They all they want to talk about is how physically dominant you are. Right. They don't want to talk about the intangibles right. of how good you are with exactly. the other stuff. Exactly. Off the ball because exactly. because that's not flashy, that's not fun. Right. You know, uh it, it I kind of I mentioned this to you today like and Drew, this is the first time like the only dude I can compare Zion to would be the man sitting on our couch right now because Zion totally. is just so much more in high school he was and even now he's just yeah. so much more physically gifted right. and blessed um and he can handle the rock right he can do a lot of different shit but you know if there was if shea cotton had instagram or twitter or anything do you think things would be different absolutely you, right yeah there's no question about it because mm-hmm. it's such a beast in the space right now in business as a whole like the social media presence literally can monetize your life so on, quick, on a whole nother level, right? Yeah, like instantly overnight. You like Bronny James got a million right. the night that his dad said Bronny's on. Right, and he had a million followers, and I don't think people understand like exactly what a million followers can do for you. Right, money yeah. wise, Absolutely. you know, eyes wise. Yep. Like we're all like, if there wasn't, I don't mean to keep saying like too. By the way, Drew, can you edit out nine of my likes, please? Yeah, I'll get to a couple. Um, of please, them. thank you, <laughs> thank you. But like it, but like. <laughs> you know, Zion became a phenomenon overnight once right. his first highlight tape came out. Right. And if we had the ball is life and the mixtapes and all this shit, like I think it would be, a, it would have been a different story, but you were just 10 years too early. Right. You know, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then also like when it comes to like being drafted, now there's a lot of protection for the athlete. Whereas, you know, a couple years back, like if you decided you were going draft, that was it. Like there wasn't coming, but you couldn't come back from that. Right. Now kids can go, Oh, you know, let's test the draft. And we'll see where I'm at. And then I can decide whether or not it makes sense. There was none of that safety net for you back then. And they didn't think about, oh, he can go overseas and make money. Right. There wasn't the G League. That was like not an option No, because nobody wanted to do that. Yeah, nobody was going overseas. You know, there wasn't this G League where it's like, oh, shit, I can make $50,000 next year and train and get ready for that. And then get drafted. Right, right and then get drafted. Right. right. You know, I just – now there's just so many different options. Yeah, the era. The era is, you know, it's apparent that now is the time – to capitalize off the talent as as that athlete, you know, as that that prime supreme guy that that's head and shoulders above other players. For me, it was I played for the love, man. It, it was saving my life in a way. I didn't even realize, it. you know, some of my mm-hmm. cousins I grew up with, you know, they they did hard time in penitentiaries, man. They gave the California detention centers 16, 20 years of their life, 
And I said to myself, without basketball, where would I have been? Because I was running with them same crowds at one point. So I took those lessons, you know, to the to the hardwood. And I wanted to be the best at what I did. And I feel like I accomplished it in my space. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever the window was, that's what God wanted for my life. Now, everybody wanted to put a definition on it and have their own explanation. That's fine. Oh, maybe he fell short or, you know, he didn't get to where he was supposed to go. How is somebody else going to tell me I didn't get where I was supposed to go? I've exhausted my repertoire. I don't even play no more. Mm-hmm. But I know if I would have played in this era, I would have broke the internet with social media. Definitely. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. You know, and I, I, I think it's it's necessary for guys like Drew and I, you know, who are basketball heads. I, I grew up in L.A. He grew up in L.A. Like, people need to know who you are, dog. It's only right. And I bring, I bring you up all the time. I've said that this is why it's so wild that you're sitting with that. We're homies, dude, that we, you know, like you said, it's God's plan, bro. All of these relationships that we create that have been created is because we're supposed to be here in this space, you know, and it's because of our love for basketball that brings us all together. But your story needs to be heard. And with man child, a dream deferred, this is a story that needs to be heard. It needs to be picked up by a major network and the world needs to see it, especially in this climate right now where some of these kids have no direction. They need to learn from a dude like you that Mm -hmm. like, yo, just because you didn't make the NBA doesn't mean that you don't have other options. You know, you can go overseas and play, you can coach, you can start a podcast, you can become a photographer, you can write articles and blog and vlog and do all these different things. Yeah. And, and, People need like I was telling you today, and I don't know Drew if you saw, but like Sebastian uh, Telfair today. Yeah, did you see the video I posted? I did. Yeah, <clears throat> which it, it got me to my core, dude, because this is a dude that I looked up to. Came up with LeBron. Him right. and LeBron were the ones in high school. Right. That's you right. know, Bassey was the truth, dude. Right. And now he got three years for his gun charge, and he's look. He, he got three years, and he flipped out in court today. Like he, it, it finally was way. I think it. It was setting in. Like, what? Why am I here right now in this position? It's because right. he didn't make the right choices and he didn't have the right people giving him the direction that he needed. People need to hear Shea Cotton. You know what I mean? Like Lenny Cook needed a Shea Cotton, and you grew up with Lenny Cook, yeah, right? And I, I, he's a little younger, but I actually uh, did a panel discussion with him at the Microsoft flag store, flagship store in, uh, on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Tell, tell people who Lenny Cook is if back. they don't know that. Uh, Lenny Cook is the guy that they said was better than LeBron in mm-hmm. high school, uh, playing against him, him at the ABCD camp at Adidas, uh, T-Neck, New Jersey, at Fairleigh Dickinson. And, you know, he's obviously his career went a different direction. Uh, he's got a documentary out that, that was on Showtime. I know people that are familiar with that that have seen it. Mm-hmm. His story is a lot different from mine, you know, even though it seems like it's similar. I think it's, his stuff has been more self-inflicted where things that happened in my career were more out of my control. It was more powers that be and just the politics, the business. Bullshit. Yeah, things, like, some bullshit. Yeah, things like that. You <laughs> know, and you know, ultimately it just wasn't in the cards for me, man. I, I, I bought, I, I beat that, that horse, that dead horse for so many years. You know, it probably took me 10 years to really get over that. You know, just the fact that I didn't make the league and, I, I saw all my peers and reign supreme, and I was like, man, you mean to tell me I had all this talent and couldn't get an opportunity? I couldn't get an invite to veterans camp? You know, I just couldn't – I couldn't get a 10-day? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm all SEC, sec, second team. You know, I'm leading my team in scoring. I played every game in college, and the numbers that I had compared to a John Wall, what he had at Kentucky and some of these other guys. What did he have? I mean, it was like 16 points, like five assists, maybe four steals. And what were you doing? 
I'm doing like 16, 8. I'm like, okay, I'm in SEC. I right. had games in the preseason. I had 40. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, conference time come around. I got to meet with the coach, and now I'm playing the four. But you recruited me to play my natural spot. So now my back's to the basket. I'm mm-hmm. not getting plays ran to me. My teammates ain't really showing me a whole lot of love. So it, I was on an island. And I'm still dropping people off getting numbers, starting every game. Still the guy that everybody's looking for when it's time to get a bucket. It was hell mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Mm-hmm. And what, I, what I've been through since, I wouldn't wish on a dog. People have to realize what I've been through, most people weren't able to be able to withstand. It's by God's grace that I'm here today, you know, and I'm here for a reason. And if it happened to me, it happened to anybody's kid. That's what makes Man Child's documentary so powerful. When you see it, it's a spiritual thing, too. You're getting hit. You're being moved in so many different directions because there's a lot of different twists and turns to it. It isn't just one thing, oh, okay, it happened because it is. No. It's a lot really, of stuff. Yeah, you can't really put your finger on one thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's accumulative, you know. Now, one thing I wanted to um, – I'm curious about your standpoint is because – you didn't have necessarily the options that a lot of these high school kids have now in today's day and age. Where they, when they're graduating high school and they're going on to their next step, whether that be college, uh, overseas, or the G League, or whatever, uh, what's your standpoint on kids making that decision? Do you think college is still worth it for a lot of these kids, or do you think more of these kids should, should start exploring those overseas options? Like we're seeing like kids like R.J. Hampton and LaMelo Ball and all these guys that are out there doing that. What do you think? Do you think college basketball still has a good fit for a lot of these top talent players? I think it is. I mean, I love college basketball. I mean, think about the field of 64, March Madness. Oh, yeah. It's the best time of oh, year. Oh, it's the best. You know, I mean, so, but everybody's not college material. Mm-hmm. So you got to be real with yourself. If I'm not really a great student, I don't really like school, but I have an exceptional gift and they want to pay me for it, go get your money. Absolutely. Right? We go to school to get a good paying job. So how could you tell a kid? Oh, he needs to go to college. You know, you're skipping, taking the easy way out. You know, they're paying these guys. They're, they, you know, they can't even, they can't even spell whatever the case may be. Well, who are you to judge? Now, the guys that want to go to college, they have what it takes. They, they understand they got to go to school, get the grades, get that experience because mm-hmm. what college teaches you, it teaches you how to interact with people from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. The social skills that you, that you learn there, you don't really get in high school because you're such on a regiment in high school where at college you have more freedom and flexibility. And it's the first time you're becoming an adult exactly. and doing like adult things. You got to take the self-initiative to do things. You got right. freedom. That's but, where the but you comes in. Agreed. But you also, like we're seeing with LaMelo, is who we've watched grow the past three years. Drew and I have been talking about LaMelo Ball you know, for the past three years. And what I'm seeing is this dude is just building his brand He's, right. because of social media. Like what is more valuable playing on national TV or having mixtapes dropped every single day of what you're doing, playing in the G league or overseas or whatever, building your brand and your recognition. Mm-hmm. Like some of these dudes can do that by himself. Like, fuck it. I don't need right. Duke right. or I don't need Kansas. Like I could do this on my own. Right. And we're seeing LaMelo grow like into this really good basketball player right. from playing basketball. Every, you know, playing in the Drew, playing overseas. Like, he's had more life experience, I think, at eight. He's not even 18 he's yet. 17. At 17. He'll be 18 soon. Than a yeah. lot of people, right? Right, right. Now, he gave up education. You know, he gave up high school. Might not be the smartest dude in the world, but most likely he's going to be an NBA basketball player. He's playing against pros. You know, what do you think about that? Well, I don't really know what their plan is. And, I, <laughs> you know, I. I I'm just an observer. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't – I'm removed in a way. Like, I love the game, and then I hate it at the same time because when it doesn't work out for people that have 
that have huge hearts that are in the right place, it could be a downward spiral. And if you don't have the fortitude necessary to overcome it, you will be a statistic. So I pray for those guys, you know, and who's going to be there for them? Mm -hmm. It's been hell for me. Nobody helped me. People that stepped up to help this movement where we're on right now, people I didn't know. My mother never turned her back on me. I love her to death, you know, and, and everybody left. My father's gone. He he passed away about five years back, you know, and it. every time I think about it, it kills me because he can't see none of this. Mm-hmm. Without his filming, Manchild's not what it is today. Right, right. Yeah, but you know what, dude? He does see it. Yeah, no he's looking what. down in the of physical course. part of me. And the physical I being, that. I want to reach and touch, mm-hmm. give him a hug and say, of course. you know, Pops, you know, I, we did it. it. The film you went to, it was a success. People want to, they don't even think Mad Child's going to come out. It's like, it's already done, fellas. Right. <laughs> it, it's it's the distribution that's another labor. You and you're know? not, and no, dude, I agree. And you're not, you're not willing to take a bullshit rinky-dink deal either. Like, this is your story, and the reason why it hasn't come out is because the right deal hasn't been in place yet. Exactly. And you want it to be distributed through the right avenues. And I think with what you're doing with Modern Day, which I want to talk about right now because this happened today. This is Modern Day's finest sitting on the couch right now. 1995, they, you, won, you won it all. Yep. Your team won it all. Um, and as of today, well, tell, tell them what happened today. Well, we had some great news. Uh, my coach, Coach Gary McKnight, uh, gave me the go-ahead. So we will be uh, showing the Manchild documentary uh, September 15th at Modern Day at the Murillo Athletic Center. And we're doing kind of – it's a coming-home thing for me and like a reunion with our 94-95 championship team. So I'll be able to see all the guys, my teammates. That, oh, that's uh, awesome. We share that We share that experience with, and it's been probably 20-plus years. You haven't seen a lot of these I've seen dudes. a lot of yeah, these guys, yeah, yeah, so I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. I think it's amazing. and so, I can't, What's the date again? So September 15th. September 15th, people. And Sorry. we'll be in the building. Is, is our, will tickets be for sale? Is yeah. there like Tickets a- are sale, for sale now at therealmanchild.com. You can go to our website right now and purchase it uh, through Eventbrite. Perfect. And uh, you can purchase it at modern day high school as well september 15th that morning at the ticket office sick and as a guy that's seen the flick guys like you have to go see it not only if you if you love basketball um if you love shea cotton if you love anything that has to do with hoops like this is a story you need to see and it sounds like even outside of hoops like this is home no, this for, is a real this life home thing. For this guy dealt Absolutely. with real life Absolutely. shit yeah like we all do right you know and just because you're a star athlete doesn't mean you go through the fucking bumps and bruises of life. Like, you know, depression and anxiety and just uh, pressure. Like, right. you had so much fucking pressure, bro. Yeah. And that wasn't brought on you by your family. It was brought on by everybody else watching right. you. Right. And like you've said, you know, this is your plan, homie. This is this is what you're meant to do. Your story is meant to be seen by the whole world, and it will be seen, dude. Absolutely. It, but yeah. I have a couple questions that I need Shoot. to get into. Uh oh. No, I got a couple. Lightning fun, round. Yeah, I got, got a couple fun questions. <laughs> Let's do it. That I want to talk about. Number one, what is your best memory of playing basketball? Your best one. That's that cannot be easy. That no, well, be just think question. about it. Like the one thing you think you look back and you're like, that was or. Yeah, let's give him a second to think. Do you have your moment ready to go, locked and Me, loaded? Basketball yeah, your wise? own your own personal moment. Oh, because he's I... got to go through a catalog of, of, of moments right now. Oh, you I'm don't think I a have a catalog, bro? <laughs> no, I got one hundred and seventy five videos <laughs> out. His bro. is like an encyclopedia. Like I don't got one. His is like an encyclopedia, my G. You, you got you got you got a book. You got a book. Um, I do I do have a book. 
I mean, there was there was one there was one rec league game. Okay, here we go. I, well, I dropped forty six in a rec hey. league game. I dropped one, and then in, and it was against a team called Laker Love. That oh. was the name of their team. Okay, sure. We, we I swear to, to God, check these stats. it was a bunch. I swear to <laughs> God, to it was, me, me, it was a me, bunch of Mexican let me see the, kids. Let me see the box <laughs> score. Got, you can ask Maurice Adkins. <laughs> ask my boy Maurice. I had forty six in a rec league game. That's those cool. were eight minute quarters. That's cool. And I went in between the legs of one of the dudes. There you go. I remember that. Um, Rucker Park pulling off the glitch. Yes. Uh, my glitch pass at Rucker so this Park. Is multiple choice, or we got? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I got a catalog. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Shay knows the story, but it was my dream to play at Rucker Park. It was okay. my dream my whole life. Like, okay. and so for my thirty-second birthday, I made my first trip to New York, and I went to Rucker Park on my birthday, May eleventh, and I lit that motherfucker up. The nice. whole I did. I played every. They thought I was a cop. Nobody wanted to play with us. It was me and my girl Michelle Greco, okay. who you know. I think she met me there, and people didn't want to play because they thought we were cop. Like, what are these two white? You know, we got a white boy and a white girl here, and they're asking everybody to play ball. You know, and it turned out that like we marked it, dude. We nice. killed it. I recorded everything. We got. I broke out the glitch. Nobody knew what I was doing. And that was like my my best moment. And the fact that I have it on camera, you know. Is what it means. Like the reason why I record myself playing basketball is because there's a day when you're not going to be able to do this Absolutely. anymore, and it's not to show people. Well, it kind of is. Like, no, you're. <laughs> well, like it's if proof. I, it's also proof, it's, it's right? Pr- right? Yeah, that you're legit. There wasn't there wasn't a million people at record no. that day, so it's it's proof. There isn't. A, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, it, there it, isn't. It's not a story. Right. It's not something like it Uncle goes, Rico. I shit. got it right here. Yeah, yeah. like I did Take it. I did at, play at Rucker. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right, right. So, and it's something that if I ever do have a son. And he wants to play basketball. I'll be like, your pops was kind of a badass. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. So anyways, those are two of mine. Shay? Well, to answer the question, I think my mo- one of my most memorable moments, and it's form-fitting because with, with the, with the uh, screening approach in next month, I would have to say 1995, we won the state title. We were playing at the Oakland Coliseum, which is now the Oracle. Yep. Uh, that whole experience, man, everything that we battled through that year as a team. Who'd you beat? We beat Oakland Fremont. It was a city school up there in Oakland. They were tough, like a Crenshaw down here. I feel like Oakland area. I feel like Dame Lillard went to Oakland Fremont. I I, I feel like that's the <laughs> you could be right. That's the high school he went to because yeah, I know he's from the Bay. Yeah, absolutely, and I know he's from Oakland too. I'm not sure exactly what high school, but and he's a little younger. Well, right, than, yeah, for than, sure. Than, than I am, but I know that at that time, that was a big deal. Yeah. You know, like the state title was like the thing that everybody aspires to attain. So to be able to do that and to be a guy that at that time was was the consensus pretty much number one player in the country, definitely number one player in, in the state of California, to win the title with my team and the group of guys that I had around me, those were my best years because we were a team. Everybody yeah. played their position. They knew their role. We went out and executed, and we had fun doing it. And being possibly the number one player in the country to win the state championship is a, that's a big deal. Absolutely, that just puts a stamp on it. Like, right. yo, this confirms, is, yeah, validation. Yeah. We're we're legit, yeah, and I'm legit, right? Yeah. So that's pretty dope. Yeah, I can remember standing on the table, like pumping my fist like Jordan. Yeah. When I was in that that moment. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I did it too. I'm in <laughs> high school doing it, Mike. You know? <laughs> yeah, Mike. Yeah. Mike didn't win a state championship. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he did either. I don't think he did. Um. Okay, how about this? Do you remember? Do you remember a dunk? Do you remember banging on somebody that just made you feel real nice? I dunked on a lot of people. I know you <laughs> yeah. did. That's a long I list. He's, he's, I would have to say he's KG, caught a lot of bodies. KG to be exact. Ooh, you caught that's KG. That's my guy. Big ticket. Shout out to Big Ticket. I love Ooh. you, bro. But you know, 
You know it's true. You in caught Vegas. him? Tell me, tell yeah. me the scenario. <laughs> Two foot, one handed. Yes. What, what do we do? In Vegas, the UCLA, uh, excuse me, UNLV North Gym. It was a game that I was actually in summer school. My AU coach, Pat Bear, called me, said they needed me. This Paul is when Pierce's, you got flew. This is when you got yeah, flown in. Yeah, Paul Pierce's team was an LAK Swiss team that we were rivals. We used to beat them up every weekend for like five, <laughs> six years before Paul got a win. He says it. He says it in the doc. So these are true stories. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, truth. Shout out to you too. There Much it love, is. Paul. But I dunked on KG like three different times. <laughs> three times. Yeah. Woo. And one of them was a, one of the memorable ones. I drove left wing, baseline, went up. KG thought I was going to go up and dunk it on the left side, went up underneath the basket on the opposite side, put it behind my back, oh. and brought it over. Uh, oh, my it. God. The crowd was like on the – the whole first row was on the court. On the court. Yeah, it was, it was serious. The were. game was sold out, both sides of the gym. UNLV North Gym at that time was like two big long rows of bleachers. Excuse me, it was about six rows this way, six rows on the opposite side, packed. And, I mean, it, it seemed like it was a mile long mm-hmm. each side. This is where they practiced. You know, it was like an auxiliary gym right. when they couldn't get into the Thomas and Mack. And UNLV was the running Rebels at that time. So this was like That's big time. Prime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jerry Tarkanian's oh, at yeah. the game. The I Shark. saw Roy Williams. Absolutely. John Thompson. You know, Jim Beheim. I yeah. mean, these are the, these are high-level Division ones. We're talking yeah. Syracuse, Georgetown, North Carolina, Kansas. And I'm saying to myself, man, these guys are here to watch the show. Yeah, and you gave them a show. Absolutely. <laughs> they and got you their money's what? worth. Yeah, absolutely. That's the best feeling in the world, man. Like, I'm trying to really replace that now. That's the hardest thing. So what I miss is that that level of, it's not even excitement. It's just like a, a, a rush, like it's an adrenaline, adrenaline rush. Exactly. In the bond mm-hmm. from my teammates. So I'm, I'm excited, man, about next month. Hell yeah. Oh, it's going to be huge. Absolutely. It's going to be huge, and we're all going to be there. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned KG really fast. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Fields. <laughs> no, Ron, Ronnie Fields, who oh, people don't talk about either. Unbelievable. I, I, yeah. Can you speak on him for a second? Shout out to my guy out of Chirac, Ronnie Fields. Mm-hmm. I mean, this dude, six, two and a half, six, three, fifty inch vertical. Bounce what? out of the yeah. Oh, yeah. Ronnie Fields. 50? Yeah, 50. Played with K- <laughs> yeah. Do you Drew does I don't think Drew knows. I about know the Ronnie. name. I know the okay. name, but I didn't know it was fifty. Dude, that is yeah. this dude Unreal. bounced out of the fucking gym. He was wow. a high school he was a yeah. McDonald's All American too, like yeah. two years. So, so graceful. So graceful. And he, uh, him and KG were on the same fucking team. And Ronnie was kind of like on the same trajectory yeah. as you yep. were. Like yep. he, he was balling with the pros. He was thinking about going pro just like KG was thinking about doing. Yeah. And then he got in a huge car accident. Yeah, he got he put in the halo. Neck, right? Yeah, and he mm-hmm. came back from next. I remember we reconnected in the Boston shootout at that time, which was big. It was sponsored by Reebok and Dunkin' Donuts. We played in the Fleet Center. Which had still had the part the pie cake. Yeah, the, there you go. Oh, that's, that's a good go. accent. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a good like accent. That. Well, I went to one more time. One more time. Pie cake. Park that car in the Harvard Yard. You know, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> so we so we did that. That was a great experience, man. Those are memorable moments. Like those memories can't be replaced. This is post car accident, Ronnie Fields. Yeah, and, and he, he came back from that, and he still had talent. And right. I was like, man, he still he still got talent. Like it. I don't know if it was more mental at that point because, you know, it was something with his neck, mm-hmm. you know, and you're never the same after when you get cut and then you got to come back and mm-hmm. you've never really been injured. Mm-hmm. It becomes more mental. I don't even think it's more of the skill. I think it's more like the apprehensiveness. Can I do it? Mm-hmm. Should I do it? Type of thing. But Well, yeah, confidence is king. Absolutely. I mean, you look at a guy like Markel Fultz, right, like to kind of tie it into like current, like he was number one overall pick and now people are 
wondering if he's i mean if can he hit a jump shot right. and that's all it has to be all mental Absolutely. i mean i mean unless something comes out and he's like hurt like physically something it has to be mental right. and right. mostly it's that confidence level that is, it's got to be ridiculous like i still have to, to get back to Absolutely. that to that same level i Absolutely. tell drew i tell drew all the time like i still have faith in markel like he's still 19 years old right like i still have faith in ben well, simmons that he'll get a jump shot right like if there's one you can't teach what ben simmons has right you can teach a jump shot i can help him yeah, yeah, yeah. holler at him ben you could teach a dog or to sit still. I lefty, work with and he's a lefty. Guys. Like Absolutely. you can, you he would you would be perfect for Ben yeah. Simmons. Work with a lot of guys. Well, right? you know, you got to tell the, the Sixers that you know the rest of the league because I love to work with some of these guys on some of these components that they're lacking. The paycheck is there, mm -hmm. but the production right. isn't. You know, and that's how I know it's a different day because when we were coming up. The NBA wouldn't stand for that. You had to be good, man. And you, and you had, had to be able to shoot. Absolutely. You had, you had to. to have a toughness. You couldn't be sitting games out as a rookie and things like that. Right. Even That's the big, your contract. Even the centers could shoot. Hakeem could shoot. Yep. David could shoot. Rick Smiths could shoot. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. even the big man had to shoot. Yep. The Admiral, like you said. Oh, yeah. Robinson. Oh, yeah. He, he could shoot. He could Went shoot. to the Navy. I mean, you had to be good coming out of the Navy. Agreed. Think about it. Absolutely. Who else has come out of their system? No, I don't know one. Can't name a place. Zero. Zero. Yeah, definitely. That's insane. Um, last question, unless Drew has a question, because I have one more question. Okay. Best player that you ever played with or against? One person that made you say, fuck, that guy's really good. Well, I, I, I've never looked at it like, man, that guy's really good. It was always, this guy's this guy on my level. I mean, I've met mm -hmm. somebody to match that tenacity and the willingness to just keep going. You know, and had that the t the intangibles could handle it, could shoot, could rebound, could pass, could defend. You know, a guy like Kobe. Uh, you know, a guy like Meta that was a difference maker even without the ball. Do you think Meta doesn't get enough respect? No, he doesn't because the off the court stuff that took place in the you know the the the, the malice in the mm -hmm. palace and all of that. I think people still look at him and they see that, even though he's transcended himself mm. since those days. And I'm really proud of him. You know, he's done well and. He seems like he's got a really solid woman in his corner, his wife, and yeah. you know I wish him nothing but the best. I mean, he's got a great film himself. I went out and saw the Quiet Storm, and he brought me up, and you know that's a bond of brotherhood that I think we'll take to our grave. And even with Kobe, even though we've been you know disconnected over the years, I mean, you know he brought he brought a different level out of me too because finally I got a chance to meet somebody and play against somebody that could match that tenacity that you had. Absolutely, mm -hmm. that's what's up. That is what's up. Um, I know we wanted to get into Clippers Lakers, mm -hmm. so it's an exciting time in the NBA. You know, Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis. The Clippers <laughs> got a couple two-year rentals in oh, uh, Paul the, George. Drew, and stop! Don't <laughs> gang up on me in my own crib, bro. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. Whatever, go. We'll what happens. Say what you got to say. Um, I just I, I I know that you're a Laker guy based on the shorts, and we talked a little bit about how you <laughs> how you, you were about to rock the hat as well. Um, you know, as the season comes up pretty exciting stuff how, how you feel about the lakers right now going into this next season do you think it's finally time that we're gonna you know re-enter the the real consideration to be a contender i do and long story short anthony davis stays healthy mm. they should win a title this season i i feel like they have fantastic. everything they need that's fantastic yeah I could not predict it any better is that all you're predicting no is that it i want that's I, what you got to say I, anthony I also, davis stays healthy you win i mean yeah that's a good call what do we talk about chemistry bro there needs to be fucking chemistry. This little LeBron mini camp is what it's all. Sorry, you got me all fired up, bro. 
Got me all fired up. You guys talk Lakers. Don't let, I don't, okay? No, no, but I, just, I also wanted to hear what you had to think about the Crosstown rival, the little baby brother oh, of the man. L.A. city <laughs> guy. is the Clippers. Mm. Do you think that they're actually going to pull it together? And do you think it'll probably come down to between one of these two teams that takes it this year? Absolutely. I think uh, those L.A. is going to be rocking this year. And I'm really excited about the city and sports at right now where we are. You know, the Dodgers are doing well. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that the energy when I go to a Dodger game. I think the Clippers have a great nucleus of guys. Yeah. You know, they got the best defender in the NBA, arguably. And We have three of the know, best defenders you know, in the well, NBA. Well, we talk about you know. Kawhi. They call him the Claw. So well, yeah. That, and know. Paul George. Yeah. And but, Patrick Beverly. But That's feel, Clip City, Shay. But I feel. <laughs> That's Clip City, oh, Shay. He's animated. I'm just saying. Look, he's animated. I think they have a great nucleus, <laughs> but I keep going back to the same thing. You're talking to a guy that played and I'm a story and I study the game constantly even today I watch all these guys play I watch all the highlights the Clippers have never won a title okay so until you've done it neither right, is Anthony Davis there's nothing that beats experience okay I'm with you on that you know what I'm saying yeah so I got you they have to get You're over right Alice Caruso's got a bunch of fucking playoff experience <laughs> like yeah I th- look bro I, I I am the biggest LeBron. I love LeBron. We yeah. all know this. Yeah. Drew is Drew has been a LeBron hater for a long time, and he's finally accepting the well, fact. Well, because I grew up on your, the Kobe side. of Yes, things. he did. You know, you know how that went. So, you know how that went. Which is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was a rivalry. That's what happened. No, I, I chose it. Kobe. I always will. But your faith needs to be in LeBron right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the one thing that you cannot beat is Father Time. Shay and I discussed this today. I I if 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 history repeats itself. LeBron had is going to have five months off, right, of no basketball, taking time for his body. Nobody takes care of his body more than LeBron. Right. LeBron is going to be up to par. We all know this. Yeah. It's the chemistry like you talked about. I want to. I have to see the first ten games. Same thing with the Clippers. Yeah. I have to see the first ten games. Right. And of course, we have Lakers opening night. We have Golden State second game. We have Houston on our sixth game. Like we have a tough schedule. Clippers. Right. That yeah. is. Um, and I want to see where we're at. Same shit with Houston. Right. Like I'm. I'm not sold. Like I'm not sold on on James Westbrook. Harden Re- Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not sold on that. Right. I don't think. I think Jerry West is the best at putting the best, the, the right talent together, right? I think our chemistry is going to be on point. I think all of our players know their role. You know what I mean? Right. I don't think LeBron's never played with a guy like Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis has never played with a guy like LeBron. Correct. So it's going to be up to those two mm-hmm. with the help of Rondo and Boogie. Right. Like, where does Boogie right. fit into this? Don't forget Kuzma. Don't forget you know, Kuzma, who's of, been, you know, Marcus Cousins. Yes, Boogie. Know, got some pieces. It's, but these are these are good problems for us to have. Yes. Right. As right. opposed to, like, uh, I guess we got Zubak or, well, you know, I like Tyson. Zubak, or Tyson don't Chandler, hate on my center. 42. Like, you, but I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not hating on Zubak, but these are good problems yes. for us. Especially as you know, Laker fans, we've gone through some, you know, a little bit of a dry spell Seven when it comes spell. to talent. Right. Um, so yeah, this this is good stuff for us. To it's go good through. stuff for us, and it's too, good though. veteran players that should be able at this level, at this co- the competency, figure this out. Like exactly. they've all played together separately. You know, especially those three that we just named. You know, Bron, uh, AD, and Boogie. They all played on Team USA several right. times over the years, so right. they already have some chemistry there moving forward, which is which is fantastic. So. 
I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about? Yeah, the we Lakers? have a. If, if you have a a good problem to have, like we have a great problem to have. Yeah, no, no, it, I'm fine with it's it. It's definitely good stuff for both. God, I cannot wait for October 22nd, game number one. God, I can't wait, bro. No Paul, George. Paul George won't be no playing. No Paul George, and we're going to be doing an event. We're Kawhi, doing. Kawhi will play 75 percent of that game. That's It'll fine. Be fine. It'll That's be fine. fine. <laughs> Load management, bro. All right, I'm fine with it. So I I got one other question oh. for you, Shay. Um, you know, you, you talked a lot about having a specific kind of mentality and an approach to the game. And I think, you know, being able to recognize that in yourself and in others, that, that probably never leaves you. So as you look at the current NBA, like especially some of these younger guys, is there a guy that you see playing? Obviously, we know like LeBron is great and Kevin Durant is great. But some of these younger guys that you see that might have some of that same trait that you brought to the game that you're looking at? Yeah, I think um, – well, a guy that I really liked before he got these injuries, it changed him. And I know he's still talented, but not the player that I used to see. D-Rose. Derrick Rose. Oh, yeah. You know, and I mean, he's special, man. The yeah. tenacity, played with the heart of Chicago on the floor. You mm-hmm. can see it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Russell Westbrook, obviously, today in yeah. today's game, explosive like that. There are some up-and-coming players, but – it's unforeseen. We don't know what's going to happen yet right. until they touch the hardwood and be and be consistent in that pursuit with their play. It's much different when you got to play eighty-two plus games compared to thirty-something games in college mm-hmm. or a high school schedule. You know, when when you got to step up and play with grown men, and and you have to take care of your body, and you got to be able to get your rest, and you got to say no to certain temptations right. that could take you away from your trajectory. You know, as a professional, it's a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. So. It's hard to tell. I think Zion is is an explosive athlete. You know, my family's from New Orleans, so we're looking forward to seeing something good come to the city and and, and then rallying behind that something positive. Yeah. And I want to see them do well. Just not better than the Lakers. Oh, you know, God. Not, but he's no. got to stay healthy. <laughs> who, book, who booked Shay on the show tonight? <laughs> he's got to stay healthy, though. You know, I'm, I'm worried about you. the weight. You know, oh, no, I don't know yeah. about the weight difference. He's already down. He like we saw a picture. What was it? Two days ago, oh, where he, he looks. He looks. Ripped. Did not take. I mean, because you know when he came to summer league, it was like, all right, how he, many steak dinners has his agent taken him out right. to? Right. How many mashed potatoes and cream spinach and all that? Like he was enjoying himself, right? right? And there's right. nothing wrong with that. Right. And we we're like, oh no, is he going to come into the season looking more like Charles Barkley than you know than we wanted him to? Right. 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 And and two two days ago, a picture came out. And he's he's just gone. I mean, he's 19 years nice. old. Like it happens like that. Absolutely. I'm sure you know. Couple, couple extra days in the gym. I'm a huge Zion guy. Yeah, okay? he looks good. He I'm does. pushing for Zion, and yeah. I think he's in the right environment. I think Lonzo's going to shine. I think Ingram's going to shine. The pressure's off. They can just play basketball. That's an exciting time for New Orleans. It is. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. And they're the team that, like, that's a team I would pay to watch. Like, I would pay to watch. Well, yeah, that'll be my number one, you know, NBA League Pass right. game that I'm watching. Like, if, if, if Phoenix against New Orleans, I'm last watching. season, last I'm, season, nah, nah. I think I'm good. This year, uh, yeah, let's yes. go ahead. I'll, I'll watch. I'll record that one. Agree. I'm going to watch all of that. So, on record, Shay, who's winning the championship this year? Don't say if they stay healthy. Who do you got winning? I got the Lakers. I know. Yeah, baby. Why not even ask the question? (laughs) Yeah, baby. You brought that on yourself. I did. I did. But uh, let the people know. We do this for the people, man. (laughs) God damn it. All right. What's the date for for Modern Day? September 15th, 3 p.m. Red carpet starts at 2 o'clock. I'm gonna be. Can we be on the red carpet? Absolutely. I'm on the red carpet. Absolutely. Hey, what about the uh, the purple and gold carpet? What, no, is that, shut up, Drew. Stop it. What's the red carpet? Stop right? it. <laughs> hey, dude. September 15th. It's lit. It's gonna be on. Yeah, man. Uh, we'll be posting on our page. Follow Shay Cotton at Shay Cotton at Manchild too. Yeah. Right. Get your tickets to realmanchild.com right now. Do yeah. it right now. We will be there. Come fuck with us. 
Uh, thank you for coming, dude. Thanks, yeah, man. Just made my. This was awesome. This was a great. This is an epic. No, for sure. Epic episode for sure. Yep, yep, yep. And it's only right to take him out with my boy, Ricky Rose, Port of Miami, two. Uh. Born to kill. Uh. Uh. Born to kill. <laughs> Snowman. Ricky Rose. It's the follow through with clips in Drew and Shay Cotton, and we're ghosts. Man child. Flowers on my grave, doves in the sky. Rest in the sewer, dance when I die. Champagne in the shower, toast when I cry. I was born to kill, living is a crime. Nikes in the box until the money fill it. Ski mask in my pocket, so don't make me feel it. Yeah, yeah, with my blood, it's like I need a rush. Head all in your system, pussies need a flush. Choppers on the seat as they listen to me. Speaking less than niggas as bodies increase. See me on your set, better check your circumference. Might end up on your back and not being responsible. I was forced to kill cause I wanna live. And if you wanna buy a crib, that give you 30 years. Me against the world, pistol in your clutch. They like to call it freedom, it was never such. Niggas on the porch, weed in the blunts. You go against the team, you ain't seen in months. Bitch nigga die, bitch niggas die. Flowers on his grave, doves in the sky. Pocket full of money and I need the most. I tell about what you are, you niggas needles low. Bitches know you broke, just looking at your hoes. They need some newer purses in the shit they post. Kilo in the morning, skip the cappuccino. Bomb under my car like I was Al Pacino. Flowers for a king, flowers for a king. So the very day I doubt a song you sing. Flowers on my grave, doves in the sky. Rest in the sewer, dance when I die. Champagne in the shower, toast when I cry. I was born to kill, living is a crime Nikes in the box until the money fill it Ski mask in my pocket so don't make me feel it Yeah, yeah, with my blood, it's like I need a rush Head all in your system, pussies need a flush I ain't playing with them, no way, no how Got the 40 in my Dita sweats right now I'm knocking everything down, bold three strikes Had to count up all the paper, took me three nights Feel them all protect my soul, I'm just trying to make it Had to leave them niggas alone, they was thinking basic So many hundreds in my pocket like some hammer pants Shit be funny till you're riding in that ambulance Say my name three times, I'm the candy man So many birds outside, call it Candyland Pussy nigga turn the house They like who nigga? nigga? Brought them bananas for the monkeys at the zoo nigga yeah. Flowers on my grave, doves in the sky Rest in the sewer, dance when I die Champagne in the shower, toast when I cry I was born to kill, living is a crime Nikes in the box until the money fill it Ski mask in my pocket so don't make me feel it Yeah, yeah, with my blood, it's like I need a room